Welcome back to Pool Talk, the podcast where we talk about the value of swimming pools in the UK and just how important it is to get people swimming. Episodes are released every Tuesday on Spotify and on Google Podcasts. If you want to get in touch, please send us an email to pooltalkuk at outlook.com or find us on Facebook. Hello, everybody. Often, people only want two things when they go for a swim, blue and warm. Blue water, warm water. But there's many other factors that go into achieving that. We all like to think that our local swimming pool complies with everything that goes into making the pool the pleasant, enjoyable facility that they expect. But how can we be assured of that? Sterling Hydrotech has been established for more than 30 years and is a swimming pool filtration and water treatment specialist. They have a network of sales, technical support and service teams that operate regionally from their head offices in Chesterfield, focusing on commercial pools, spas and hydrotherapy pools with customers including local authorities, schools, main contractors, leisure and facilities management companies, NHS and military facilities. Craig Matthews is one of their field service managers and we are delighted to welcome him to talk with us today about Sterling Hydrotech's views on why they like to see a totally independent inspection carried out, even on their own installations, that they can then assure the client that they have complied with every legal and industry recommendation and standard, the compliance audit. Uh, good morning, Craig. Hope you're well. Should we start off, Craig? Pools themselves are not covered specifically by any Act of Parliament other than the Health and Safety Work Act. There's no such thing as the Swimming Pool Act, which means there is no mandatory requirement for pools to have any form of safety inspection, compliance inspection, etc. More and more pools, though, are undertaken to have an independent review of their operation. What's your opinion, first of all, about why pools should have an independent compliance audit? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very difficult for many operators without any strict legislation to fall back on and what they must and mustn't do in terms of compliance. I think uh, certainly an independent audit is a good starting point for many of them to enable them to review their current procedures, policies, what's going on in their plant rooms at that particular time, and then put together a plan to enable them to move forward with something tangible that they can improve their systems with. So uh, I think the the benefit of an independent audit is crucial to a lot of centres, especially by somebody that's completely impartial and not trying to sell them anything in particular. Couldn't that be uh, interpreted as a little bit of Big Brother looking over them? You know, we, we've got somebody coming from outside to tell us what to do. Surely all that sort of thing could be done by their own tech team, their own tech manager? Yeah, it's the it's the backup. I would see it more as uh, a benefit in terms of uh, if you've got an independent consultant that has come in and said that uh, this is uh, what you need to do to make an improvement, then you've been seen by, if anything, God forbid, did go wrong. Uh, in a court of law, you could then say that you've taken as many reasonably practicable steps as you can to enable you to operate as, to the best of your ability. So, yeah, there is the risk that it could be seen as a, as a big brother intervention. But I think that's, um, you know, hence some of these uh, podcasts and educational. I do like your reference there, Craig, to help them to formulate a plan. 
because obviously from our point of view, that is so important that people can actually plan ahead rather than bounce from error to error. This is it. And, and uh, obviously the, the technical room of the, uh, of the swimming pool is very complicated in terms of everything leads into something else. So somebody may have come in and thought they've make, made an improvement by put, putting a larger powered pump in, for example, that's got a higher flow rate, but then not realise that that's had an implication on the filtration system. And they've now gone from medium rate filtration to high rate. And it's just somebody independent that uh, is going in and saying, well, yeah, I can understand what theory was behind that, but how your velocities increased, the discharge velocities increased, and it's basically upset the whole system. Um, and I think just kind of going into things with a with a broader mind. I mean, as um, Sterling Hydrotech, if we go in and do a service, we're particularly tasked with going in to look at a particular item. So service one of two, maybe to look at your chemical dosing unit and your UV. We wouldn't then necessarily pick up on any issues with high TDS or uh, an imbalance in water because you're on the wrong chemical. Uh, whereas obviously an independent audit would look at things in a lot broader picture. So it's it's more of a fault finding exercise then. You go in and, and you tell them what's wrong and, and kind of help to get it right. Yeah, and, and not only what's wrong, what they're doing well and they need to continue with as well. I mean, um, but it, it, it's not uh, necessarily a big stick to beat people with. It's a case of you're doing really well with this. Uh, and in fact, but with uh, the consent of the centre, uh, sometimes we may say, well, I've never seen anybody do that before. I would like to replicate that further for other people to benefit from. So it's, uh, it's a case of uh, looking at what's been done well, room for improvement, uh, and uh, anything that's completely out of the operator's point of view that they just inherited. Pipework is a massive one. I mean, once that's buried under the pool, we're stuck with it, really, unless we want to get more of the concrete. And so then, you know, but somebody saying, well, I understand that a commercial pool needs to operate on a three hour turnover and uh, them spending a fortune with a uh, pool company putting big filters and big pumps in when they're never actually going to achieve the element result in an ideal world. But cost versus reward, it can't be done. Is 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 a point for you. This will take an hour and a half to explain, Craig. You mentioned a couple of moments ago the difference between high rate and medium rate filters. Now, through my own experience, most operators will go in the plant and see their filter. Most operators haven't experienced different types of filter. They work with what they got. They may not know if they've got a medium rate or a high rate. What they've got is a filter. That's our filter. Okay. Without getting too deep in tech into it, what's the difference between high and medium rate filtration? I'll give you 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, the speed in which the water travels through it. Is, is, is one more efficient than the other? In a commercial specification, you'd be looking at the medium rate filtration range. It'll just catch more particles, again, without getting too techy. Is one less expensive than the other to install? The high rate filters tend to be smaller. So, yeah. yes, they would be cheaper. Medium rate filtration to get a better quality of water, but it's going to cost you. Potentially, yeah. yeah. The other point now, going back to these compliance audits, uh, again, from your own experience, is there any insurance uh, element here. If anything goes wrong that leads to claims, etc., would an insurance company look more favourably if you, if a pool had had a, an independent inspection rather than if they did if they hadn't? Absolutely, yeah. They'd say Mike said it was fine. So uh... yeah, yeah. 
Now, I, I know for a fact that your company manage a lot of pools where having a compliance audit, audit is actually a requirement of your contractual relationship with them. Do you know why they want that audit done? It's the confidence, I think, that each of their centres are operating to the best industry standard that they, they can do with a big estate. Um, like some of them, you're talking, you know, sort of multiple sites over a large area of the UK, uh, having one individual going around trying to manage and audit uh, all of them is a, a bit difficult when we're on their site sort of two three times a year. It yeah. makes it a lot more cost effective for us to do it. Yeah. Um, obviously, being an independent company as well, we've got the beauty of not uh, being tied to any particular suppliers. Granted, we have favourable ones that where we trust their systems and we trust their um, their software or their um, their technical ability to do the job. But we're not tied to any particular manufacturer, so we can then offer the right solution for the client for for their problem as opposed to just having somebody, a sales rep, go in and sell you what they want to sell you, basically. Yeah, the independent audit is, is definitely beneficial for those types of environment. Is it, bene- is it beneficial for you as the, as the maintenance contractor? Yes and no. I mean, obviously, we, in, it, in the sense that we um, identify potential opportunities for the client to enhance their systems, uh, which could be seen as a saleable opportunity for us. Um, but as with uh, most commercial environments now, most clients will go out to two or three quotations. So we'll identify the problem, pot- uh, potential to improve, um, but that does, doesn't guarantee that we'll, we'll then get the order for the work, mm. uh, which does leave us in a good position because we're then still independent we're not saying this is what you need to buy and you need to buy it through us saying this is what we would recommend. This but is at, our least, at least you've got something to base your recommendations on. Absolutely that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. obviously with the relationships we have with a lot of our clients, uh, we can base it around conversations that we have with them with regards to cost. It may not be the best system uh, available on the market, but it's the best that they can afford. And so does, does the independent compliance audit that you give, does it have any teeth, any legs? Not in terms of legislation, um, but obviously, if we came across a situation where we found something that was particularly dangerous or we thought a a high chance of causing harm, then we would certainly have a conversation with the operator with regards to what they would need to do that. Uh, Depending on the response we got from uh, the operator, we would then have a a duty of care to highlight that to any organisation that uh, that would have the authority to make that change essential. So if, for example, we walked into a, a plant room and found chlorine and acid being stored on top of each other, and we said to the operator, look, this is a potential bomb, you need to you know, sort this out. And the operator said, well, tough, we haven't got anywhere else to store it, it is what it is, deal with it. Um, then our concern for the safety of the public and the, the staff involved in it, we would then probably... Add, highlight that to the environmental health officer and get them to, to have a look into it. So, I mean, we talked earlier about the, there's no law in the UK that says you have to do this, you, can't, you have to do that, but is a compliance audit a requirement by anyone? Like you saying just now about um, the local EHO, um, do they require 
some pools that obviously if there is a problem like you just stated with acids and alkalis being stored together do they require some of these pools to have this in order to make sure that the public are safe it's it's a bit of a minefield really because uh... As Mike quite often says, nothing happens until something happens. If nothing happens, it's not a compliance. Um, you don't have to have the audits done and you can wing it and hope that nothing ever goes wrong. However, if something does go wrong in a court of law, they're going to be looking at industry best practice. Um, yeah, I think page 36 and 37 of the, the Pool Water Treatment Advisory Group book states that you know external audits are recommended. If you haven't followed that guidelines, then you're at the mercy of the judge and jury in terms of whether you're guilty of... Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think that's interesting about nothing happens until something happens. But of course, if something does happen, any action you take then cannot be retrospective. The Whether it's an insurance company, a court of law, a solicitor, whatever it might be, they, they will, in my experience, always be looking at, have you done everything that's reasonably practicable? Sitting on your fingers being crossed is not reasonably practicable. No, yeah, absolutely not. That, that's what it is. So, yeah, okay, you know, I appreciate that some operators will wait and say, well, we're not going to do that because A, we're going to have to pay for the audit, B, we're going to have to pay for whatever they say because any auditor is going to find something wrong with us. So let's say we've got to do this, that, and everything else. We're not going to pay for that. Um, and especially at the moment, all pools in the UK have been struggling and will continue to struggle financially. So expenditure is going to be a bit of an issue. But it does come down to this fact, doesn't it? What happens if something happens? This is the, the biggest question. And uh, with uh, a lot of operators, as you say, having a year where not have they been on limited income, they've had zero. Their centres have been shut with nothing coming through the door whatsoever. The question would be, uh, sort of back to you, Mike, would be uh, if something does go wrong, where are you going to find the 200,000 or £2 million to cover the laws to, to pay the fine yeah <laughs> rather than much less for a compliance yeah. audit quite so at, at the end of the day what you're saying is although it's not a requirement it does actually give the operator who is often stuck between a rock and a hard place the confidence that a they're doing something right with what they've got obviously because they you can't change where the pool is and where the pipework is but they're actually doing the right thing and I mean, I've never met a pool operator who doesn't care. They all care yeah. so deeply, but they're always stuck between, right, we've got to get the pool 100% right, but it's not quite right and we still have to open. And they're always stuck between these two. It, 100%. And uh, again, you know, kind of whilst the water's uh, um, clear and blue, um, you know, the plant room is quite often an afterthought where the air handling unit in the gym's broken. You can have members yelling at you at reception probably a hundred times a day saying this is unacceptable. Um, if the filter media needs changing, nobody really knows until mm. there's a problem with the pool water. Yeah. Um, it's just a case of, of managing that risk and making sure that, you know, you're, you're safe throughout. Yeah, I, I, I think really, Craig, there's three sides to this triangle, isn't there? In fact, most tri triangles have got three sides. Most of them do. <laughs> um, there's, the, there's the operator on one side, the pool operator, there's the independent auditor on the second side, and there's yourselves, Sterling Hydrotech, and, and people in the same position as Sterling Hydrotech on the third side. Do you think it's something which should be recommended by people on your side that uh, an audit should be carried out? You know, is, is it something with that, that Sterling 
would would want to see in the in the pools that that you cover yeah absolutely i mean more than anything just to make sure that we're managing our clients expectations to the best of our ability i mean and it's not to all just about finding opportunities that we can flog them more stuff which is is quite a common misconception to the to these audits uh, it's a case sometimes where we'll find that their set point on their chlorine chemical dosing unit is too high. So they're using too much chemicals. We can find them a financial saving as opposed to a, a cost. Their dosing system may be set too high for the filters. They may be using too much of that chemical, which is causing a problem. Mm. Um, they can get an, a, another pool company to come in and uh, um, recommend they change the whole system where all they need to do is turn the dial down a little bit. Um, but that's everything that the audit would pick up. And once the details of that audit have been formulated, um, it's then entirely up to the client whether they raise the order against the quotation that we as Sterling would present or whether they went out to um, other companies to see if they could get a a cheaper opportunity. On that, all all we would recommend is that they look at the specifications um, sort of in the swimming pool industry for an excess of 30 years. We're very knowledgeable and, and, uh, and good at what we do. So if you are going to look at cheaper alternatives, just make sure they're the same specification. So um, I've got a last question for you, um, Craig. What, what do you, when you go into to do one of these compliance audits, what do you use as the reference? Do you, do you use um, a document by the government? Do you, what, what do you base the compliance audit on? So all of our compliance audits are done in line with the um, latest PUTAG guidelines and HSG 179 is uh, is our two reference points. Obviously, along with any other construction industry recommendations that it may fall into. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, Craig. Brilliant, Craig. Thanks ever so thank much. Thank you very much. Um, and hopefully nice we'll, to speak um, to you all. Speak to you again soon. We would love to hear from you. So if you have a question about today's episode, then please contact us on our Facebook page or via email, pooltalkuk at outlook.com. Pool Talk is released every Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Thanks for listening.